To listen to this episode and all previous deep dives, buddy dives, and dive master interviews without commercial interruption, please subscribe and listen at Deep Dives with Monica Perez on your favorite podcasting platform. This is Monica Perez here with Midnight Mike of the OBDM podcast and one of the hosts of the Union of the Unwanted and his lovely wife, the Naked Gardener, who graces YouTube with her homesteading journey. And I love both of their shows, but they're very different. So I don't know where this will take us, but I do know you should strap on your tanks because we're going deep with a dive master duo. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. So, okay. Two different shows. We've got Midnight Mike on OBDM, which, by the way, absolutely 100% true. You have to listen to it twice through to be hooked. <sighs> and I would also say that I have to listen to it, and I hate it when people say this to me, but I have to listen to it at one and a half times speed. I don't feel think people can talk fast enough that as fast as you can listen. But I will also say, and this is the biggest compliment I can pay you, is that my house has never been cleaner. I've never, I haven't done the the ironing like in months, but I want excuses to listen to OBDM. So I <laughs> just run around the house like doing dishes and laundry and stuff like that. Anyway, so uh, I rarely do that. I rarely listen to other podcasts. So I'm totally hooked on that. And then on the other hand, if I want to like vibe out, I love The Naked Gardener. Which, and you have to watch, but there is something very magical about what you do and how you do it. And I, I want to ask Mike if he is some, you know, obviously part of the creative process, but, uh, and I don't even garden. So it touches me, reaches me at a deeper level, I think, than people who just want to learn from you. So I'm wondering if we can kind of talk about your joint journey through I mean, can we start talking about the homesteading stuff before we drag you, Naked Gardener, into the rabbit holes that where we dwell? <laughs> yes, so you have absolutely. Your own rabbit holes. You yeah, have real rabbit holes, but I have real start. rabbit holes here. <laughs> so, what I'm interested in, like, first of all, I feel like the Naked Gardener is the ultimate white pill, and the conspiracy stuff that Mike and I do are. I mean, obviously separately, but are kind of more of the, it's very easy to go blackfield, especially if you're keeping up on current events. So I'm just wondering, like, were you on the same page when you started down this homesteading journey or did one of you bring you along? And, and you know, how does, how do you live side by side? Is it yin and yang, white pill, black pill, or like, where did it start? <laughs> and you had, where are you now? I think, um, it, well, it's interesting because when we were living in Arizona for a couple of years and it was right at the end or the beginning of the pandemic and we had all of our family here in Ohio and uh, we knew that we wanted to head back this direction uh, to be closer to them. And we knew that we wanted to do it differently, though. Um, we had always both lived kind of more closer to the city. Uh, I really missed gardening uh, when I was out in Arizona in the desert. And so we decided to invest in some land and we we did it. And I dove right into from day one building everything here. And we've been here on this property now for about two years, I think. Um, and 
We have built everything from scratch here. Uh, we are harvesting our own rainwater. We have goats, chickens, um, a very large garden uh, that we grow everything permaculture. Um, so everything is, I mean, it's it's been a journey so far. It Definitely like a journey. Such a huge endeavor, though. I mean, how yeah. do you get your mind around? How many acres did you say you have? How many acres? It's do you have? An, it's about four acres. Yeah. So, I guess you can get your mind around that. But how do? And I've seen you have to build out water drainage. Have to get a goat thing. You get somebody else to help you with the goat thing. You have to find people who you can trust who will do a good job in a place yeah. that you haven't actually been in this you know, endeavor in that locality, you know, for, for your whole life. Like maybe if you grew up on a farm there and you know, the Amish guy who builds the shed, we had to figure all that <laughs> stuff out. I just, how do you get your mind around such a huge project? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, yeah, you just dive in. It is. We just dive right in and we have gotten in over our heads on some projects uh, that are still left uncompleted, but that's what happens. I mean, that's also just the nature of life too. Um, you try and tap things and, you know, you, you just learn by experience and that's what we're doing out here. I saw yeah, when I, I saw the goats, I thought it was a little obsessional because you were just like <laughs> went to, yeah, I was like, we didn't even digest the last thing, but Kat, sorry, Micah. Yeah. No, I, I, like a few years ago, um, like homesteading or doing something, trying to do something like this wouldn't have crossed my mind. But then when the pandemic hit, we were in pretty much in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, we had different reasons for wanting to get out of the city. I wanted just to get away from as many people as possible, not because of the pandemic, just because of like social unrest and it just got a little too congested and uh, to get closer to home. And honestly, my wife could have said, I will move to Alaska and I would have followed her. So going back right. to Ohio <laughs> is a no brainer. I'm not like a super handy person. I'm good with computers. I'm good with like technical yeah. stuff. When it comes to uh, using some of these tools to improve the house, I am a complete novice. I know a little bit here and there, <laughs> a little problem, problem solving. Um, I'm mostly a background character in her document documentation of our of our homestead and it is it's just a lot of trial and error um and trying to come up with some creative solutions to solve problems and when you but when you're using devices or techniques it must be really hard to learn that stuff like out of a book i guess you can use youtube videos and that kind of thing but there's so much to technique that is from your experience that I feel like I'd probably lose a finger or something along the way. And are you, so you're naked gardener. You're the one who's taking the lead on learning all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this has been something that I've been interested in for a long time, not just pandemic. Uh, I love nature. It's my, um, my place to go when I just need to totally reset. And I do believe in our connection to nature being vital for our health, our well-being. And so being part of that uh, and coming back to the land in, in a much deeper uh, connected way um, really means a lot to me. And it really enriches my life in general and puts me in a good headspace, especially with everything going on in the world. So this is definitely a place that I... I love. It's like my little sanctuary. But you must be a natural on the green stuff, like the green thumb she thing, is. because yeah, I just kill stuff. Like I kill stuff. People can't. My <laughs> sisters get at it, and she's like, "Just do this," and I do it, and it dies. And she does it, and it lives. And I just—is it? It's. 
I feel like it's <laughs> it's it's vibes. It's I energy. Think, yeah. I think she's got. A, I think she has an intuition about it, right. and like I, I like she she I think naturally knows what is what will work and what won't. And obviously, you make some mistakes when you plant something you don't know. And like when I'm using a power tool, I know a little bit about power tools. I know when there's a problem or we need a, a particular type of drill bit or some things like that. I know how to start chainsaws and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know everything and you do make mistakes. But I think my wife has a good intuition about what may or may not grow in a particular area. Well, I saw a recent video of yours where you had a problem with the garden and like a bunch of stuff didn't grow. Right. So that was. Yes. A lot like that. I almost cried for you. Like I literally would have <laughs> cried. Like I could not handle that at all. Like that would have yeah. I, completely broken me down mentally. Does it get upsetting or are you just you're just like, hey, it's the you know, this is the process. It is. It's the process. Every year is different with the garden every year because there are so many different variables that you have no control over and you have to, it really requires you to be adaptive. You have to just kind of go with the flow and um, just come up with creative solutions to try and solve the problem at hand. And, um, and a lot of it is, is again, just learning by experience so that maybe the next time I face some of the challenges that I did this year won't happen again, or I will know how to respond to them a little better. I recently visited, it's funny because I really have a brown thumb and I live in the city and my my heirloom knowledge is like how to walk down a dark street in Brooklyn and not get <laughs> mugged. You know, I can do that very well. It is a skill, but I don't understand the stuff at all. But I, I, a lot of my listeners are um, either new homesteaders, I have permaculture, I sent my son to go stay at... Um, a permaculture place who I met through podcasting one summer and I we I took him up to see greener pastures Lanny and Chud are they have a family farm and she's relearning this stuff she does a lot of food preservation and one of the things that she's mentioned was that something that grows in one area of her flower bed or whatever her garden is like it'll she, those seeds from the one that grows the best in that exact spot is what she uses the next time. So she's literally getting such such diversity in her seeds that they will grow better in that exact plot of land. And that to me, like that would make all those years of trial and error pay off like in a, you know, just intergenerationally for forever in the future, which is why it's sad yeah. that we've been disconnected and then are now learning to reconnect because so much is lost. I feel that way about gun instincts too. Like when people had guns on their pickup trucks and kid 12 year old boys got their first guns like in Texas. And then they're like, well, you can't have them on a rack on the back of your pickup truck anywhere. That just changes everything. And even, or I was in Ireland recently and they had banned the Irish language for a while, like the English, and now they're teaching it in school. But I'm like, that's totally different. And they don't know it. And um, just having and but my grandmother used to speak Gaelic, like for reals. And they just once they've disconnected that it's I, I, I think probably something really something will be lost. But I feel like if you dedicate yourself to it, you can find it, but it might take a couple of generations to get back to where you were. Yes, yes. I definitely believe that. I think that, you know, it's about, you know, even the example that you brought up, the story you brought up about the permaculture uh, farm, you know, it is, it's developing that relationship and it's long building, but over time you get 
closer and closer with your land, your area, what grows well, where it grows best. Um, you just start to learn that um, with experience and just by having that deeper connection with the land. And I think that that is so important and something that we have gotten so far removed from as a culture. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like the land has a personality here. And until you have like a, you know, maybe like a half acre or something and you, you don't really realize it, like how water flows on your property. And we have to be aware of that because we have massive flooding at the front of our property that we didn't realize uh, until uh, we were here for a few months or where predators come in from uh, is something you got to worry about. So it does. There's like little nuances about the land that you don't realize when you're initially looking at it and walking around it. It's only something that you realize when you walk over the same parts over and over again. It's like, oh, I never noticed that there. Oh, turtles come up from there. And it's like there's all these like little quirks that you you realize and you learn to adapt to. So but is there bad land? Like, is it as long as it has water and can get some sun, you can probably deal with all that other stuff. Or is there just like, oh, we really got duped here I mean, were you bummed when it started, like water flowing over your land? Or you're like, I know this is an opportunity. No, you were bummed. <laughs> we was- were bummed because it was destroying a big oh. section of our driveway. And oh. so and we, we were. Yes. And we had lots of plans to do more with the land in that area, too. And so it's required us to rethink everything um, in that that spot of our of our home. And um it even required some creative solutions and getting an excavator out here to do some excavation for us to widen the creeks. And But that's part of the process is just learning, okay, how do we solve this problem? How do we improve on it? I'm super worried about water because I live in L.A. And I, I don't know where you guys are. We don't need to dive into this right now. But I freaking see the creme chills. <laughs> My husband's always like, it's going to rain today. I'm like, it's definitely not going to rain today. It never rains. Um, they don't let it rain except for it's Thanksgiving or something like that. They will let it rain. <laughs> it ruins everything. But uh, there's a real water problem. And this is I live in the San Gabriel Valley, which supposedly can grow anything here, like has rich soil and has a c- constant sunlight. But there's just not enough water. And that that will keep us anybody who lives lives here plugged into the grid. You have to go. That's why my permaculture friend is in upstate New York. I'm like, why would you go there? It's cold. He's like, it's wet. You know, It's green. <laughs> so I would think that the water thing it could be an opportunity. However, it sounds like it takes a lot of money. So what happens when, you know, how do you, is this to you guys just a money pit or do you feel like over time it will pay itself back and things you don't have to buy? Like, food or is it purely like an investment in security? How do you look at it as far as effort in and yield? Yeah, Mm. you know, that's a good question. I don't think of it as a money pit at all. I mean, I think of it as an investment in our long-term security, peace of mind, being out here, it's private, it's secluded. Every time I drive down my driveway, I still get goosebumps. And I still feel so grateful to have the opportunity to live where we're at. And so I wouldn't trade it for anything um, at all. And I know Mike feels the same way uh, without, and I'm sorry to answer for you, Mike there, (laughs) but I, I know he does feel the same way because we still 
we still say it over and over again, how much we love being here and how beautiful it is here. And that I think makes it all worth it. And also everything that we're doing, the animals, seeing how happy they are and knowing that we take part in that is just beautiful. And um, also, of course, the garden, you know, where we're growing is closer to the house, more uphill. Um, There's a bit of a slope on our property. And that's where a lot of the water issues that we were having was in the lower end of that slope uh, down into the pasture area. But the excavation work that we did do and that we did invest in uh, really paid off because it has reduced drastically the amount of water that was flowing through that area of the land. So, but, I, Monica still has, you have water issues out there in LA. We have our own water issues. Like um, we have on, on this property, we have a well that generates right around 50 to 75 gallons of water a day. That's got a, a, a submersible pump in there that goes into our house. But that's not typically enough. So we also have a cistern that holds about 1500 gallons. Now that's all good for like, if the grid goes down, like we still have access to our cistern, but we still need electricity to run the pump. And so we're devising ways to run that submersible pump for our well off of a, a, like a Jackery battery that can handle that kind of power requirement. And then if we need to recharge, we have some solar power. So we could be off grid and be okay. And that's my, that was my plan. Like why I was enthusiastic to move out here is like when the crap hits the fan, where do you want to go? I want to be in the place so I don't have to go anywhere. Right. And we can sustain ourselves pretty easily. And a, a, a few other people, probably I would say for three or three to six months, pretty well. Well, I worry about, so the solar panel thing, I know I hate to, buy into the like climate change terror thing but the solar panels are a good thing that came out of that and that you can charge your batteries you always have you know as many as you have or as many batteries as you can charge from what i understand but i don't i don't know for sure but um i feel like uh there is a um so you said that you could sustain a certain amount of people and i think i i always wonder about this balance to strike of if you take care of yourself and you have surplus, people will go crazy. When I grew up, my father had dried food in the in the garage. We had a one-car garage. It was full of Sam Andy food. There were, he had nine kids. And in the basement of this suburb in of New York City, he had us shooting rifles. They might have even been his like World War II rifles that he brought home. Wow. <laughs> and he'd have us shooting the rifles. And he's like, this is, and I, I mean, I hesitate to say it, but he was like, this is for when, this isn't for when the Reds invade because he was a red scare guy. This is for when the neighbors want the food. And I was like, dude, <laughs> I'm not shooting the neighbors, you know? And and um, and I'm not suggesting that you prepare to shoot the neighbors. However, I feel like I, I worry that homesteaders, and not actual homesteaders I know are pretty savvy, but I worry about the temptation of going like off-grid or getting out of the system. And then while you're not looking gun rights are gone, water rights are gone, they come for your chickens. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you, are you there yet where you think along the way of not just preparing for survival, but preparing for defense? I do. I'm not sure about my wife. Uh, I I kind of think along those lines. And Mine is uh, my my thought process is like, obviously, when we want to take care of ourselves and our, our family, but obviously we can't take care of everyone. But I'd rather have like if everything just like, say, the grid, the grid is shut down for a month 
Uh, I'd rather have neighbors that are friendly. I would be able to give them food than have hungry, angry neighbors and uh, kind of build uh, some sort of community that way. Uh, you can do a little bit here and there, but you obviously can't save everyone. Um, you know, the what we have for defense is very minimal. Luckily, that we're very secluded, and that is part of our defense. But, you know, there are nosy people. Uh, I certainly don't want to shoot anybody, and I don't want to get into any sort of situation like that. And uh, it's not my goal here. Uh, okay, I didn't, I didn't mean to imply that, but I, but how about from a even a more you know a less brutal perspective? Do you care about local politics? Do you care about state politics? Do you care about how the gun rights are, the water rights? Like, are you? Yeah. Do you feel compelled yeah. to stay plugged into that? Because I know Mike has a you know full time job and then does the podcast, which is like the national news. But I found and you're doing real work all day. I've found that I almost feel like being aware of the national news, world news, whatever can be a distraction when in reality, the local stuff is the thing that like when COVID happened, I had three kids, two kids in different private schools and one kid in the public school. And miraculously, the public school was the only one that didn't have a vax mandate. And I thought, you know, people along the way, as much as I'm really an anarchist or an agorist, people along the way, probably total crunchy granolas out here, were fighting for certain kinds of rights in the public schools because they thought of the public schools as, you know, their right. But but they prepared a path for, you know, a process where they couldn't just say you can't go to school anymore because you're not vaccinated. It's very mm -hmm. hard for them to keep people out of school. So it's those little details that I feel like, uh, you know, and the local level are so important, but who has the time or the interests or wanting to have conflict? I mean, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, the last time that we went to go vote, not this recently, we realized how little we knew about like the, the local county comptroller. You know, when mm -hmm. you have to vote for like the, the county comptroller or like the local advisor, advisory board or committee, it's like, wow, uh, I am disconnected from local politics and I don't know what is even going on in our own town. Uh, and perhaps uh, we should go to local town hall meetings that they have at the last Thursday of every month. Yeah. Um, we don't, we're ignorant and we got to change that. Yeah, I did that too. And what mm -hmm. I did, I just voted as well. And I used to be like, I mean, I did a lot of stuff on election integrity after November, 2020. And I, I thought, I don't know where the, the fact that we're all paying attention to it now is definitely part of the, the thing, but there's always been problems with election integrity. And I've never been really motivated to vote except for to register my protest to the liberal fascist center by writing in Ron Paul. That's all I ever did. But now after this COVID thing, I do vote so, because of the local things. And there was a really um, a constitutional amendment that uh, in reaction to Roe versus Wade out here, which was like deliberately over the top. And I wanted to vote against that. But what I did was I knew a kid in my son's class in high school who was like one of those earnest um, political types, but he was totally anti-vax. And I texted him and I was like, who should I vote for? <laughs> he was like, oh, I did a whole guy because there's like 25 judges. They don't have R's or D's next to their names. Not that that would really matter that much. It's just yes or no. And who 25? I'm doing the due diligence on 25 judges. I'm not. So, of course, everyone we voted for lost, which makes sense because we live in L.A. And uh, it, but I did. 
I do care at least, and it did prove to me that it didn't really matter that I voted or not because it was such a landslide on against me on every single thing. But I do, I'm acutely aware now of how important the local stuff is. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm not ready to just give up. And I worry that my instinct to like go by, a, you know, we think of moving to Texas. My husband's from Texas. I don't think there's going to be much permaculture there unless you do have a great big rain barrel because it's a little weird in that hill country. But I worry that I'll just want to veg out after all these years of being aggravated. But I wanted to ask you guys, so I feel like you are this being, uh, you know, soaking up the rays and vibing on your land is such the white pill. And Mike, you're always like, I always see you in a, it seems like you're, most of your time is spent with the screens or keeping up on news. And I, I would expect that the naked gardener's personal growth would be just like, you know, this big flower that opens, you know, like one of her sunflowers opens up to the sun. And what was happening to me when I was doing a show every single day of the news, like I was, I was feeling, you know, stressed out all the time, like all the time. And I, I wonder if that, if that's a divergence with you. And I, I don't know what you would, what you would do about it, Mike. I don't know if you'd walk away, but you've been doing the podcast for so long. I can't imagine. I just uh, I learned to divorce myself from it. And uh, to me, it's just uh, a point of conversation. And I try not to emotionally invest too much into it. I'm aware of a lot. Um, I'm also aware of what I can and can't change. And uh, at this point, uh, I digest the news as if it was just a uh, a piece of uh, like situational comedy yes. that I'd see on TV. <laughs> totally. And yes, it's just I, totally so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. and, and, uh, and my wife's aware of a good number of things, but I, I just follow the, this stuff uh, because right, like of, of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but are you guys political? Do you have the similar political ideologies? Is there, are you hmm. political like agnostics by now? Huh? Good question. Um, I don't know. What <laughs> do you vote for the same people? Like, did you sit there and be like, who you're voting for? Or did one of you like hide the other person's ballot? No, we don't. Uh, no. <laughs> I have a son who has Down syndrome and I'm like, give me that. And my husband's like, no, he should vote. I'm like, he's going to vote what his teacher tells him to vote. You know, he voted for Joe Biden. And if we were in LA, I would actually have had to sit there and educate him. But I'm like, I asked him at least to vote for Kanye. And it was a little bit before Kanye was like so controversial that they're keeping a record of people who vote for Kanye, but, uh, cause he loves music. But, um, yes, we I don't think, vote for I think we other. arrive at, similar conclusions but coming at it from different angles and yeah. the naked gardener is you know uh, more hippie-ish yeah i, I would say <laughs> I, I don't want to say that but, but she, how do you feel about that naked gardener do you feel well, she's got that very vibe. true <laughs> she, she, she's got that vibe definitely and then i i come at it from like uh, the oil and water i come at it from like the punk rock angle you know <laughs> yes. um yes but we yes, arrive at, yes. We, we we both acknowledge that the system is completely corrupt. Yes, it, it's fucked yeah. up. There's there's prejudice everywhere. The system is not built for the middle class, the poor, or any underclass right. that there is. And um, who does that allow us to vote for? Not many people, mm -hmm. and not really. Um, but we we do we do so probably align more than we diverge. I feel like with 
political ideology, kind of like the major religions, any major political ideology that gets like a billion people to sign on to it or major religion, if it were implemented the way it's pitched to you, like any of them would work. We have the technology right now. We have enough food that any of the system, free market, capitalism would work. I mean, I'm no fan of socialism, but I mean, Sweden was working okay until they intentionally messed it up. I mean, I think they were satisfied with it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like the, I forget, I always forget who did this quote, but he said, like, I have to differ with Thomas Jefferson. It's not the style of government. It's, it's, administration that matters. And I really feel like the most important thing right now is how all of this ideological stuff, all of it, like to me, it's completely empty of impact that it's a hundred percent a distraction so that the, the corruption and this, I want to ask you guys this question. So at a certain level, I feel like there's conspiracy and corruption at the top and they're just sucking up all our money and, um, all the surplus labor and everything like that. You could look at it in a very black and white, three-dimensional way. But with some of the stuff that you that I know Mike talks about, and I understand that you, the Nikki Gardner, has some um, you know, openness to that maybe there's a, a fifth dimension. I mean, maybe there's another dimension mm-hmm. where uh, are the people at the top evil? Are there, you know, is it like the X-Files or they're in coordination with some fifth dimensional beings? I mean, is it, so I look at this as like the ideology is just theater. Then you have this level of corruption that's clearly about like keeping us poor and them in power. Uh, is there something above that? Do, do you guys have an, a similar opinions on that? I would say, yeah. So we have great great conversations in the morning. So we'll get up yeah. at 5 a.m. and we have coffee and tea together. And we ha- we talked for about an hour and a half. And there was one morning, I, I believe she broke out and started like watching something from David Icke. And oh, I'm interviewing David him on Icke, Tuesday. Oh, fantastic. exciting. So <laughs> and, and David Icke was talking about uh, the, the virtual reality overlay, the signals from Saturn and yeah. all that, all the kind of the, the, the false reality matrix that we live in. And we're kind of like, this is interesting. I, you know, I can't say I've ever read a David Icke's book because I haven't. I've seen some of his talks, but I started digging a little deeper and she started looking at similar things in her own way. And we, we talk about it, but we, 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 I, I'll speak for us both here. We believe there's much more to this reality than what is presented to us. Maybe she has a different opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely dead on correct. I, I do feel that there's a lot more than what we realize. Um, and I think that's also, though, the approach that Mike and I both take um, when it comes to a lot of these things, though, is that because there's still so much that we don't know, we may never know in this lifetime, but I think that we both approach a lot of these topics um, neutrally, uh, not understanding that not everything is in black and white, that there is a lot of gray area, a lot of things that we don't know and trying to stay open-minded to ideas. And um, and I think that's the exciting part about some of the information that we do both individually kind of get into and dive deeper into um, that we take to each other. And we were like, what do you think about this? You know, and it's, there is a little bit of a, um, a childlike curiosity, I think, to to us as humans. And I think that 
when you start, you know, going down the rabbit holes a little bit, um, it, it kind of keeps you wanting to explore more and more. I mean, I think by nature, we just are explorer beings. Yes, I feel like some of those rabbit holes are put there on purpose. A lot of them, probably at this point, most yeah. of them for us to fall into. And it annoys me. Like, I, that's one thing that, like, I, I thought about doing the news every day. I was like, they're, they're flooding the zone. They actually use that expression with complete bullshit so that it's impossible to keep up 24 seven news, like on 10 different channels. It's just not necessary. And then yeah. I would have people on Twitter who would like DM me these really long things. And for a long, not for a long time, but for a while I would answer them. And I, I realized like they were literally, there are people out there for sure. There's no doubt in my mind whose job is to waste people's time. And yeah. yeah, so I see those rabbit holes there for that reason. You experienced that too, Mike. You've seen that. I just know that it, it, there's whether it is genuine or it's bot or it's their job, they are there as just a time suck. Yeah. Whether yeah, right. like I, I, I experience I experience a sliver of this and uh, I don't have a huge podcast. My my wife, the naked gardener, she has to deal with this with yeah. comments on her mm -hmm. videos, garbage comments and she's learning how to navigate this minefield and time suck on her own and it's not easy i will i will give you this observation from my own experience and i've absolutely found i, I could be wrong about this but it seems to me a woman's response is very different from a man's response to those kind of abusive comments and the comments or whatever kind of comments you're getting whatever and the comments, I think they probably direct them differently. But when I ask guys in the beginning, because I had a radio show, so I would get the kind of, you know, a lot of attention and it would be a lot of hostile attention because it was on the radio and people's cars. They were listening for news, traffic and weather and did not want to know what I thought about the Boston Marathon bombing, but they had to listen to yeah. it. So they were mean. And sometimes I, I, I that's when I had like FBI or whatever, like trolls trying to tell me like, oh, I'm a huge fan. Don't say this. Don't say that. It was very clear what was happening there. But even just as far as I'm not sure if they were genuine or not, but people always wanting to take me down like an anti-Semitic pathway. That was a huge one that people would do. They would be super mean to me about like my style which I was learning like on air. So yeah, it wasn't great, but it would be really obviously meant to undermine my confidence. And I would ask guys how to deal with it, like people in similar situations. They'd be like, fuck those guys. Like, I just can't wait. Like, I hope they call and I'm really hostile and I just, you know, say mean stuff to them. And um, it's like Joe, I think does on OBG, oh, like it's all pissed off, which is great. <laughs> and they would even tell me, like my boss said, don't be pissed off all the time. But if every once in a while you can harness pissed offness, like that'd be great on air. But I hardly ever could because I would just cry. <laughs> so I, you know, I did one where I said, like, I, I thought Caitlyn Jenner was lying about being a guy, but had every right to cut her dick off if she wants. And I got so much hate from both sides that I cried for four days. I did. And, um, and my mother was at my house at the time and I was like, Oh mom, blah, blah. And she's like, who puts yourself out there? You do. You put yourself out there. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I cried for like four more days. But, um, so, so I, I I don't know if you get, I mean, do you get the hostile ones or do they upset you? Like, how do you manage it? Oh, God. Yeah, they can be very hostile. Um, and it started er early on with the channel because it started to grow very quickly. Um, and 
I'm coming up on about two years, I think, of the channel. And I mean, ask Mike. There were many days that I would just be in tears questioning, why am I doing this? Um, Because it does. It it really starts to kind of weigh heavy on you when that's coming uh, and being directed at you each time you put something out. But in the end, I started to really um, acknowledge it for what it is. I, I really do feel that, yes, there are some bots out there, whether it's bots or individuals that it's not purposely, yeah. right, that it's not genuine. Um, and I do feel that sometimes it is there to cause a little bit of controversy um, and get people kind of um, heated up about something. And I don't even view what I do as controversial, Um, but that's, that's the perspective I'm coming from. Now other people view what I'm doing as being very controversial. So yes, it's, it's the bare back, which is so so astonishing to me because I don't, uh, you know, I get, (laughs) I get definitely comments. It's ridiculous. No, no, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Like I see the comments on our videos and they're like, how dare you show your naked back? It's like, you see more at a beach. And what's wrong with that? See, it's so beautiful. And what you're doing is so beautiful. So if you're getting attacked, I would say like, I would, probably default that it's mostly fake. I, I could be wrong. I probably go too far in that direction. And I would say, because what you're doing is a threat is a threat because it is like solutions oriented because it's the answer. It's the answer. It's not just the answer that you're gardening and you're homesteading. And you said it in, um, I think it was a recent video, maybe you reposted an old video where you said it was so perfect, very chick-like, really spoke to me personally, (laughs) that I was, you know, nature doesn't, you didn't say it this way, but the way I interpreted it was, nature doesn't care that you were a loud, obnoxious jerk when you were drunk at that party the other night. Like, nature is not following (laughs) you around, like making you feel bad about that. So much so, you're so liberated from it. And that to me is like, so you take your shirt off. And that you're so liberated, so private, so secure, that you can do that. And I feel like that is representative of being able to throw the screens away. You know, if people throw yes. the screens away, there's no more power at the top at all. And I think you represent exactly. that. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that is part of taking your power back. And and for me, you know, there is some of that um, in what I do as far as the representation of even being able to take my clothes off and garden outside if I want to and the freedom in that uh, and being able to feel so liberated from, from, you know, what you have, what you look like. Um, There's so much weight on, on that, who you are, your status in society, your, the job that you have. Um, There's all these labels that we put on us, each other. And when you can just strip that away and just be out in the simplicity of nature, there's something magical that happens. And that is why I do it over and over again. But it's also a profound assertion of private property rights. See, that's what what I like about it. I'm like, it's mine, you know, here's my pot, (laughs) here's my fit. Right. Like, you know, not that you do, there's no front. I've never seen any frontal. I'm not accusing you of that, but it doesn't matter. You're entitled, entitled to it. And why are these people here? Why are they shitting on your thing? Like, I don't, you know, there's no point. 
I get it on every end of the spectrum. So the, I, I get people that hate what I do because of the, the you know, even showing the slightest bit of skin. I have some that are angry because they're not seeing more. And <laughs> I, so I get it. I get it from every direction. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty um, insane. And so it's not, it, and for anybody who wonders, it's, she's not doing this for like a gimmick. There are times where I go upstairs and I'll look outside and, and she's naked and she's not, she's not doing any kind that? of like, like you're a lucky it's guy. fantastic yeah, for it's me. Fantastic. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's great. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's awesome. Um, but no, she truly embraces yeah. it. And it's not like she's just doing it for like clicks or anything like that. Uh, obviously she's smart. She knows how to use thumbnails and all that kind of stuff. She knows it works. Uh, but he does embrace that kind of, of thought process and lifestyle where she wants to just walk around barefoot and naked and she wants to be out in the garden and feel the sun and 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 just live that lifestyle. I'm, so that's fantastic. I'm absolutely yeah. confident that that's true because when COVID came here and people were so completely paranoid about it before, I didn't know anybody who had it before the vax got unrolled, by the way, but, pe- but and then I got it immediately. The first vaccinated person I ran into, like, I was like, wow, I wonder if I'm going to get this from this person. And two days later, I got it. But at that point, I wanted to lay on, on the grass in my backyard with I wanted to show the skin that that was super sensitive to the sun stuff. So, you know, I'm pretty brown. So like for me to get some some fast charge vitamin D, I wanted to just take it all off. And I'm like, the pool guy is going to come in like the guy mows the lawn is going to come in. The helicopters are constantly overhead, like really close. And I mean, with you, I think you'd be doing a service to mankind. But like I'm getting old. I'm like, I'm not here to just, you know, take my shirt off. I want I want to ground with the dirt. And I want to I mean, I just wanted it for health reasons. And yeah, and I felt yes. like I could not access that at all. And when you identify things that are healthy, I think, or make it feel normal, I think that you probably get more pushback than someone like me even who will like say, oh, the Boston Marathon bombing was an inside job. Like that's not, uh-huh. not as threatening as the actual liberation that I think you represent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and that's kind of why I love doing the channel is to inspire people to not only step into that and embrace that uh, freedom of expression and freedom of choice and how you want to live your life. Um, and also, you know, it's the organic nature of, of it all too. And that's what I want to try and bring people back to is, and when I say organic, you know, even though, yes, I do believe in um, gardening without chemicals and things like that. I don't believe in, you know, bringing that into even our home. Um, and so we do live a very chemical free lifestyle as much as possible, but just in general, like we are so bombarded on a day-to-day basis of all the technology that's around us, our phones, everything. We're so deeply connected to all of that. And just to even be able to um, step back into nature and strip a lot of that away and what it does to your health, you know, having the sun touch your skin is so important for our health of our bodies, our minds. And I think that, you know, this is, these are the things that I, I know that organically we have within us to be more deeply connected because this is where I feel that we are not separate from nature. We're a part of it. We are it. And I think we forget that 
I think our own, I noticed this, I was like, oh my gosh, I know why we're naked and have hair. Because what I wanted to do when it was cold out, I was like, I'm going to get a hat on, but I want to take my shirt off because I need vitamin D. I was like, oh my gosh, naked with hair. Like that's (laughs) what it's like. So we are like, we are supposed to be that. I I think for sure that's why we're set up this way. But I didn't, I wanted to... You guys share, I asked Mike, like, what, because I, I didn't want to drag you down into the rabbit hole of, like, the everyday, um, you know, every conspiracy under the sun. <laughs> and I didn't know if you went down any rabbit holes at all, but when we were, I asked him what you guys agree on, and it is, uh, or what we could talk about, it's the ufology which I'm totally not familiar with. Although I have a book, I don't know if you guys have this and if you don't, I will send it to you. It's by Jim Keith, who was a conspiracy researcher. If you don't know who he was, he died in 1999 of an injury he got at Burning Man, but uh, he thinks they killed him. He was like, had a knee surgery after that and like never woke up and he expected he wouldn't wake up, but he was a classic conspiracy researcher before the internet. So there are books and I have his books and they're great. He did a lot on MK Ultra, but he has this one on Saucers of the Illuminati, he calls it. And he believes in interdimensional beings. He believes in a lot of stuff that went way back. I think even maybe the Egyptian idea or prior to that, where uh, there was, you know, real communication, physical communication, maybe even seeding of the earth. But his, a lot of what he talks about is that the UFO, UFO stuff is a plant from the government as a cover up for what they're doing and to obfuscate the true the the truth from the fake stuff. And so I was wondering if you know now you're in Ohio, you were in Arizona where there's a lot of sightings of that. Have you mm-hmm. do you get in touch? Can you understand what's you know, do you have any deeper insight if you probably don't have a lot of light pollution where you are now? And, you know, what are you seeing? What are your insights into that? Well, we had better uh, visibility out in Arizona, believe oh, it or really? not. The, 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 mm-hmm. the, the night skies are just amazing. And uh, uh, on our honeymoon night, you know, a lot of guys would go out to a strip club. No, uh, we, <laughs> on our honeymoon night, we went out to Sedona in the desert, night vision goggles, and did uh, a UFO tour, nice. taking a look at the, the night sky through the night vision. Were there hallucinogenics saw- involved? No, wow. no. Um, <laughs> Sounded like next time, next time we missed. Go. I don't know. I mean, well, we're gonna go back out there. But I, I saw, I saw UFOs with night vision goggles. I saw something in high orbit that was uh, traversing the sky, stop, and then keep going. Um, mm-hmm. Typically, I don't think satellites do that. We saw some other things, but it. Uh, I personally believe I saw something unexplainable, a UFO. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Naked Gardener saw something that night too. We've seen stuff. Yeah, I, I believe that for sure. My grandfather, who was super, super Catholic, firm believer in um, extraterrestrial life because of experiences like that. I don't know where he used to be a cartographer in upstate New York, like as a young man. So he would. But like 100 years ago. <laughs> so there was absolutely no light pollution. And and I would imagine it was before the the explanation that it's all military. But did you I mean, I guess this would be more of the research side, maybe Mike has done. Did you come out at all in thinking that it's kind of like the X-Files scenario where there's like layer upon layer of where they're covering stuff up that they're doing, but they're also covering stuff up. That's true. Yeah, I think so. Um, 
you know, my my position on UFOs has changed over the years. Um, and it does seem as though there's about maybe four or five people in the Pentagon that probably know the absolute truth about what is going on. They obviously use the UFO covers like the stories as cover for some super secret projects. They're doing interesting stuff out at Area 51. What exactly we we don't really know. We have some you know, ideas, but uh, nothing exactly. And so all the, I think uh, the, the brilliant thing about uh, this information is that you mix in truth with fiction and then you can dismiss it all as fiction. Uh, and I, they've done that, I think, pretty successfully since the 40s and 50s. The CIA has, uh, uh, I think it's been proven that they have infiltrated UFO communities and groups, planted this information just to be a part of it and maybe guide their outlook on certain things. Uh, I am leaning in the direction that either it is what has been visiting Earth all these millennia is probably something uh, like an ultra terrestrial, something that has been on Earth with us as long as humans have been there or um, evolved in a parallel way to us humans here and that they just continue to do their own thing. They're like, yeah, whatever the humans are doing, we'll just do our thing. So does this fold into that higher reality i think so mm-hmm. i think i think they can dip in and out and so there's like uh, i think it is it's way more bizarre than what people it's it's easy to explain craft that comes yes, from a star right, system right, away right. like oh they're four light years yeah. away we know where they come from it's harder to explain that they also that these entities occupy the same realm as when you die and that uh, the reason why some people have near-death experiences when they get close to ufos is because that is from the same reality as death that's tougher to wrap your head around and there's a lot of religious people within the pentagon and their religion leads them to conclude that these are demons therefore they're evil when that's just their religious bias that allows them to come to that conclusion see i was thinking of angels i was like it's it 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 shouldn't be hard to wrap your mind around that concept although it absolutely is for people because in like the angel gabriel the archangel michael the archangel like these jesus these are interdimensional beings who can come Mm -hmm. and go and we're absolutely weaned on that you know we're nurtured with that since the day we're born even if you're not christian you you know those concepts there's definitely an archetype in there waiting for us to access so does this influence or fold into what you think of the true power in the universe of the origin of the universe that kind of thing how does it fold into that okay is religion are the religions i don't just complete theater just like politics in your view so here's the thing like uh i if for whatever reason uh, humanity seems to be pretty special for some reason else. They wouldn't be uh, visiting us and, uh, and, and like checking up on us so often. And if the uh, alien abduction sequences are real, if people are really being abducted by uh, something non-human, they're doing it for a reason. And they're obviously very curious about our reproductive uh, anatomy, uh, mm-hmm. uh, egg, sperm. And uh, some of the uh, educt, uh, abductees that I've, I've listened to, they have come to the conclusion that uh, these entities, at least some of them, are trying to create a hybrid entity in order to hijack our souls, yeah. to leave, 
to get to the higher realities. Like they occupy, let's say that these entities occupy level five. Well, the soul allows you to get to six and seven. They need our soul to get out of this matrix. Whoa, Nikki Gardner, yeah. do you think that too? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. Yeah. I don't like that. I mean, that's negative. These days, some of the information I've come across has kind of led me in that direction yeah. too. Uh, so, so well, yeah, it's, demonic, it's, forget it. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> it does not sound good. <laughs> so are you saying the people in the Pentagon who think it's demonic, maybe they, they, maybe they're all doing all of this for us. Maybe they're, maybe the vaccines are really keeping us from the green fluid guys, you know, from so, the X-Files. Yeah. So when, when they started testing DNA for like, basically what they're doing, a giant DNA dragnet during COVID, yeah. And so if I had to think about this in like everything that the, the elite are doing, they're doing it for our good. OK, let's say that they roll out a vaccine and the vaccine trans it, it, it actually transforms us into something that they no longer want to abduct because it transforms our DNA and they can no longer use our reproductive cycle. Therefore, I, I have to track oh, whether or not alien abductions have gone down after the administration of, of the vaccine or have gone up. And I'm still waiting to get numbers on that. Also, they were also doing those massive COVID testing where they get their your DNA and they send it off to somewhere. And what do they do with it? it to me, that seemed like a dragnet totally. operation. Like they're try they're trying to yeah. find some particular DNA within the population. Are they looking for something that's already Dude, here? You're freaking and me that out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so if, if aliens are walking among us, was that dragnet? Was that a dragnet operation to try to find them? I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, because it, well, they but they said like there was a thing where if you didn't get vaccinated, you had to get tested. So yeah. I don't, I, mm -hmm. you know, you had to be. They had to get you one way or the other, and I just don't know. Yeah, I cannot think of a good it, explanation for it. Honestly, I mean, that's scary, though. See, I, I, I'm looking for the white pill here because I thought Naked Gardner was all she had cracked the code. This is all science, fun science fiction for me because there's nothing that I can do to change the reality. It is up to me to just uh, accept the information and uh, deal with it and realize I can control my life and influence some people around me but that's about it right well i see in science fiction i'm a huge star trek fan so right on for that me too no yes. uh you too <laughs> Gardner, you love star trek oh too? he's rubbed he's oh, pulled yes, me in absolutely i just oh my gosh i have to stop watching it for like i like the original series so I'll, I'll like watch them all and then i'll stop watching it for a couple of years and i'll watch it again so that i just need to forget it it's always so great has such a good, like, people laugh at it, but it's got, like, that story arc. Like, the first half is totally different from the second half. I just love the original series. But that would be a digression. What I what I want to um, <laughs> say, though, is that, so this is how I connected with Mike to talk originally was I was in my house and... There was no phone or anything around. I was, my husband was watching college football on the TV on the wall. And there was a book that I had not seen before, a coffee table book. And it was about like the royal family, whatever. Somebody left it there. So I opened it and there was a huge picture of Princess Diana on, in like the, where it opened to huge picture, the whole page of just her face. And I'm looking at it. It was like from the eighties. So I think it was before she was dead and everything. So I was just flipping through it. And then I put it down and I was bored, not interested in like college football. So I picked up my phone and there was a like 
I think it was right then or maybe one minute later, a Quora notification came up from my Gmail where it said um, something about Princess Diana and King Charles, whatever. I never Google her. I don't care about her. It was in my house. I didn't even know it was there. I didn't have my phone with me. I didn't say it out loud. Nothing. The only possible thing is that the TV on the wall is at an angle. And my husband said the TV, although it is new, does not have a camera in it. So did it read my mind? Was it a coincidence? Because I had coincidences like that 10 years ago where I'd be like, I was looking at this shirt and I took a picture of it so that I would remember what was on sale. And then that picture showed up in my email you know, a picture of that exact shirt, same with my email and an ad. And people are like, that's just a coincidence. It's like, it's not a coincidence. You know, people didn't believe mm-hmm. it at the time that it could be happening, but it absolutely happened. It took the phone, the picture out of my phone. Everybody knows that now. You can talk and see something pop up immediately. You see that all the time, but this was too much. So what's what's happening? Oh, a naked gardener. You, you've experienced this before, haven't I you? I have. I definitely have experienced this multiple times. And... Each time it has happened, it has just, it's, it shakes you. You're just kind of like, wow, this is weird. Um, and, and it's happened to that extent that you just mentioned where I didn't, I didn't say anything out loud. I didn't search anything on my phone. And then all of a sudden I'm getting, even in the mail, in our mailbox, I've received mail the very next day after thinking about something that I, it was a a company, a certain, a very specific brand even. And I received a piece of mail that I've never received from that company before. The next day I mentioned it to Mike and I I said, that's really bizarre. That is really bizarre. So what, what do you say? It was like, it's 24 hours. Like that's like, that's an extreme turnaround for a physical ad. It's paper. Yeah. Physical paper. Yeah. And just like, there's no way the ad of that physical thing was probably a local company or whatever. I mean, then you're talking something truly cosmic. Right. Like somebody sent that when it, when it was processed, when your, when your address was printed, that's when it was in the air. And I I looked into this and there's a, there's a couple of, there's a couple of avenues we can we can go down. So my uh, my co-host Joe, um, when he was here, he was talking to me about uh, how he was a couple a couple weeks ago. He was thinking thinking about buying a back scratcher or like you know going to shower so you can wash your back. He was thinking about it. He never purchased one before, never said it out loud. And then he said, "I was getting served ads for back scratcher scratchers." Just after thinking about it, um, there are people. There's an, an instance uh, on Quora where someone was up late at night. They were uh, applying for jobs, researching like uh, what jobs to apply to. They fell asleep and they started dreaming about Legos. They woke up and they hopped on Instagram and they were being served ads for Legos. So something that they dreamed about and that they had never really used in real life. And that's what they're being served. Now, in 2017, Facebook was working on a smartphone that could read thoughts. Uh, they had like a 60-person team. Uh, there's not much more information after that, whether the, the the group got decommissioned or they got rolled into something else, but they were actively working on that technology. In 2010, Intel was working on a smartphone or a chip that could also read people's minds. That's 20 or 10 years old at this point. Um, 
Then it's also uh, pretty evident to, or evident to everyone that anything you do on the internet is tracked at this point. And mm -hmm. any, any computer that you hop on, there is usually 150 data points that you do just from like your habits on the computer. Um, but the ad companies, all the spyware, they only need about 10 to 15 data points to identify who you are. So no amount of VPNs or incognito mode is really going to hide what you do on the internet because you have a certain personality on the internet, like what tabs you go to, what sites you visit, that is your fingerprint. And they use that to identify exactly who you are. And they also build algorithms and predictive models based upon that. I mean, there was a, there's a story that came out a few years ago where there was a 16-year-old girl and her parents were upset that she was getting mail about pregnancy tests and and uh, early warning signs for pregnancy or what you should do, go to, you know, uh, right. a, 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 a gynecologist. But it turns out she was pregnant and that the, the cell phone that she had was just picking up on all of her activities and then recommending her things oh, through email. And so it turned sucks. out to be right. Now, Crazy. Now, now to come to you and you saw something visually and um, it makes me lead to a, a couple conclusions that the camera is always working. It's always taking snapshots. But the phone wasn't, um, the phone wasn't there, but the TV was there. The TV was there. Then it's picking up on different things. I think all the new TVs are That's constantly a, listening think, to. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. There uh, could it, have been listening. It, it hasn't it, been looking, but keep going. Sorry. I don't mean sure. It yeah. could have been, it could have been looking and that it's always taking snapshots and it's adding it to your right. profile to then yeah. serve your ads. Or there is some really good AI out there. And it is able to make accurate predictions uh, based upon your your habits. Like this is the most amazing AI ever, and they're using it to serve ads. Uh, I don't know. Uh, or we are so predictable. We are so predictable and mundane that they got us locked down with only a few data points, and they know that we're going to care about the queen when we serve that ad because of everything that's led up to us in, in that life. All these, all these variables in our life, it finally arrived that now she's ready to start caring about the royalty. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Um, or the cell phones and technology really are reading our minds <laughs> because <laughs> they pick up on electromagnetic frequencies. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting yeah. to think that because this, yeah. this Jim Keith, who I just talked about, that I forgot, this is absolutely, have you heard of Jim Keith? I can't say oh, that I have. No, I may I may have come across the stuff, but I just don't yeah, recognize the name. He's fantastic, and I will send you a couple of his books. I wish that he were still alive because he's only fifty when he died, and it would have been just great to have him keep going. But he has these books that are very well documented about MK Ultra, and one is called like Mass Control, Mind Control. One is like the Encyclopedia of Mind Control, and it was well documented until like the seventies when they had congressional hearings that put that stuff, you know, pushed it underground. Really. But what they were up to at the time makes me think that they could do this stuff. I'm not thinking that they did do it. I don't think they did it to me. I, I guess it could be a coincidence. But I will say this, that I, I've talked about this before. It's a Quartz article. Quartz is like a magazine online. And an NSA whistleblower or something or whatever said that the NSA was behind Google to some extent because of 
they wanted to create, they wanted to understand you so well that they wanted to create birds of a feather in a group for you, which I believe, it didn't say anything, but I believe that those birds of a feather are all artificial. Like none of them is real. You, They can make you a total terrorist because you think you're in a group with a hundred terrorists who really feed into your mind and they know how to manipulate you because not of the of the stuff you buy or whatever, but because of what you search for, that what you search for has a deep, you know, gives them a three-dimensional uh, impression of your psyche that probably no one else on earth has or could construct, even you. And that, you know, I mean, with the, with the Princess Di thing, yes, I think that there's a chance they knew I was ready for it. And that's why they sent me the Quora thing. And I guess the coincidence would be in the fact that that book maybe was in my house the whole time and I never picked it up before because I didn't care. And it caught me the moment I was like, oh, he just became king, you know, bloop. I don't know. But uh, yes, I think that maybe it's a little of everything. You know, or maybe it's the Bider Meinhof yeah. thing where I would never have noticed that Cora, you know, headline if it weren't for the fact that I just picked up the book. Maybe. It seems like it, uh, whatever it is, is goofy. <laughs> yes. And it's, it, I, I think it probably, ha it probably happens more often to people and they just don't even realize it. I mean, this could be one big entire simulation where. They got us. I mean, they know our destiny and everything is just so out of control. It's just like, well, just give them exactly what they want. See, right but, now. So, but <laughs> it's know? a simulation. That's the thing when and Jim Keith talks about this in one of those books that I'm going to send you that if the if reality can't be really known through our senses, like you were saying, Mike, about like, you know what you can control, you know, what you can't control. I don't I don't want to even go down that path. I just, at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just try to stay on top of not feeling physical pain by being incarcerated in a gulag. I'm going to make sure I get my cocktail hour because that makes me happy. I'm going to hedge my bets that there's a God and try to be a good girl outside the cocktail thing. And, you know, <laughs> I just, I just feel like that's it. Like that, when you get so far down the you know, that, that open-mindedness, I just, I have to give up because I need to live in the world. Right. Yeah. You need to live yeah. your life. I mean, we talk about that all the time with this stuff, you know, it can get pretty heavy, of course, but in the, in the end, it's like, what do you do with the information such as the, the stuff that we're talking about with the predictive modeling and, and some of the things that, you know, the theories that could be taking place with that and, you know, getting ads for things that we just think about. But what do you do with that? Like, so, okay, what if these things are happening? So then what? Yeah. Then right. what? Are, are, yeah. are we prepared to totally uh, stop using these and completely just separate ourselves from from the world of the internet never step foot on the internet again i don't think anyone is um we're all so integrated in it that you know even knowing some of this stuff is happening that they're that they're listening um you know uh, maybe reading our thoughts it's like what what are what what are we prepared to do well and you would if that is the case it would be a you net, know <laughs> it would be a net disadvantage anyway you know it's a limited hangout yeah. you've got to yeah. take what they're offering you for sure so yeah. Right. <laughs> but I, yeah. I, I often, I asked this to like, uh, I, I, I interviewed uh, one of the bigger uh, flat earthers and uh, I said, let's just start the interview as flat earth is a given. Everyone believes it. 
Now what? <laughs> and he refused yeah. to go down that. Yeah. Right. He refused to go down that angle. It's like, so, okay, we discover right. the earth is flat. Now what do you want to do? Well, we, we still have to worry about defending our chickens because we just lost one last oh. week because of a predator, our ignorance, my ignorance yeah. specifically. Like, I don't care. Like, the earth can be flat. Okay, fine. Go <laughs> right. for it. We I've still have real problems there. <laughs> I still problem. care. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I still care about the well-being and health right. and happiness of my wife, our our, our pets, yeah. and our animals. And so UFOs really could be demons. I, I still got it. I got right. shit to do still. Right. <laughs> you know? Because we feel pain. <laughs> Because if you don't eat yeah. or yeah. you get dirty, right. you know, if you get lice or whatever, it's because you feel pain. So I'm going to go with the binary pain pleasure thing. I'm going to work on that. Yeah. I always try to keep a positive attitude. And I I feel proud that I got Mike to smile a couple of times. I think that's because you were here. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah you saw every once sometimes. in a while. So mostly Chris. <laughs> so that's excellent. And I, I really just, I thought it was super cool that you guys um, have such different, you know, create content in such different ways. And uh, I have to say, I was really surprised that the OBDM hooked me in. Cause like, sometimes I think that stuff is like, you know, might as well have like no girls allowed on the treehouse. And, right. you know, like it's like Brown Friday. Really, Mike? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm 45 and I do the most juvenile show that I can possibly do. But. It's so, it's, it's really, it really it's is stupid. addicting. No, no, but I don't like stupid. Like that's the thing. Like it's both of the shows are just magic. And um, the Naked Gardener thing too, like it just has a way of drawing me in and I, I'm telling you I do not garden so I think there's some something really special going on there and I'm so psyched that you guys have both come on I didn't know if that you we want to do that and I so say I don't know who would poor I thought maybe poor naked gardener would would be like you know we try to keep this relationship like on the QT so thank you thank you for for joining me but I, I would love it for you guys to just tell my listeners because I bet we you know probably don't have that much overlap. Although I think everybody should know about you, especially from you on the unwanted. If you guys would tell my listeners the best way to find you and when you put your stuff out and that kind of thing. Yeah, go for it. Make a yeah. Garden, go for it. <laughs> well, thank you, OBDM. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can find me on my YouTube channel. Uh, even just by searching The Naked Gardener, I'll pop up. Um, and then I also have a website, uh, thenakedgardener.us. And on that, I also sell my medicinal herbal teas that I make by hand here. Um, and so that's been a, a wonderful thing that I started about a year ago now. And, uh, and then, yeah, Mike, I know you definitely have your podcast. So do you want to share that? I do. I do uh, a podcast called Our Big Dumb Mouth. Uh, you can find us at uh, obdmpod.com or ourbigdumbmouth.com. We stream live 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, mostly on Wednesdays. And then again, uh, Saturday at noons and uh, over there on Twitch. We got all the links on the website and it's, it's a it's a fun show. You know. It is super fun, super fun. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna sign off. But if you guys could stick around for just one minute after the outro, and um, this has been a live dive. Thanks everybody for listening. This is Monica Perez. Mm -hmm.